Coming up next on Contemplate. God gave you a brain, and he intends for you to use it. For those who think that uh, we, should, we should not, as Christians, uh, be spending a lot of time thinking about uh, science and theology and philosophy and, and using our brains to go through that, but rather we should just, everything should be about faith, faith, faith. Um, you are completely missing the fact that God gave you a mind and intended for you to use it to seek him out. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington, and this is Contemplate. Glad you're here as we begin a series of episodes that will examine a lot of what we believe and why we believe it. More practical Bible teaching that I hope will be a blessing to you. Here's Pastor David. We're going to start a new series. And this is our Christmas series, and it's our Christmas series because it happens to be near Christmas. Um, it's, it's not particularly Christmassy. I'm not going to dress up like Santa Claus or, or anything like that. Um, but it is, we will be talking about uh, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, God becoming man, which is the whole point of Christmas. And so that is going to be part of this series. But this series is called Spirituality or Ismology. Um, and... It's basically, you know, the subtitle is, this is the true story of everything. The true story of everything. Um, over the course of this series, we're going to talk about the big story. The big story. Um, and as we do so, as we talk about the big story, I want you to think about a couple things. During each one of these uh, talks that we do, when we spend time here um, talking, thinking, and studying together, I want you to think about two things. Is the story true? Do you believe that it's true. If the answer to that question is yes, then what does that mean for your life? Belief leads to action, right? Or ought to. And if it doesn't, you're going to have to question whether you go back to step one. Do you believe it's true? If it's not causing action, go back to step one. Do you believe it's true? Because if we believe it's true, it ought to cause action, right? We've talked about how our beliefs, our worldview the story that we believe leads to the way that we act. Depending on what we believe, that should dictate our actions. If our actions are completely inconsistent with the things that we believe, then there's a disconnect there. There's a disconnect there. And so I want you to just keep that in mind as we go through it. Belief and action. Is it true? If so, what should I do? What should I do? I mean, I could sit here and tell you what you ought to do and give you a list of, of things, but I think that you're capable when you understand the story, to understand the implications that it has for your life. And we'll talk about how we ought to live, but I also want you to understand the story in general. So this is a, a series for those who are Christ followers, and this is a series for those who aren't. This is a series for anybody. The, the information that we'll be talking about should be something that we can all understand. You can accept it. You can reject it. Um, but we, have, we all have a worldview, right? We've talked about this before. We all have a worldview, and we're looking for a worldview that's coherent and comprehensive. We've talked about this before, right? Coherent. In other words, it makes sense and comprehensive. It makes sense of everything. All the experiences that you have, everything that you, that you experience and that you know and so on, needs to connect to a wider story that explains why. Everyone has one. Not all of them are coherent, 
You may have heard some people who have worldviews that may explain things, but they're not very coherent. Or they're relatively coherent, but there's all kinds of things they don't explain. Right? You need to have a worldview that does both. Does both. I want to. I want to talk about um, what I'm going to call modern spirituality. We we live in an area where there are only about I think it's something like four percent of the Portland area folks are atheists. Don't believe that there's a God. Then there's a certain percentage of those who would say that they're Christians, uh, Muslims, Jewish, whatever it happens to be. And then there's this big number of people, a, a pretty sizable portion, especially here in the Northwest of folks that are called nuns. Nuns, they have no affiliation, no affiliation with any kind of religion. They're just, we call them nuns, right? Not nuns like the Catholic folks, but nuns with an O-N-E-S, okay? Um, they don't ascribe to a particular religious system. But oftentimes, they are spiritual. They would tell you so. They're, they're very spiritual people. Some of them are very spiritual people. Um, and their spirituality is about trying to connect to something that's beyond themselves, right? Um, they may not want to talk about Jesus. They may not want to talk about those kinds of specifics, but they want to connect to something that's beyond themselves because we yearn for that to believe that there's something more than just random, undirected atoms bouncing around in space, right? And that our lives have no real meaning. And that the love that you feel for your spouse or your child or your friend is nothing more than chemical reactions in your body, and it means nothing, and it has no value, and there's no significance to it because you're just an animal, you know, hurtling through space because randomly that happened to, to be the case, we don't want to believe that. In fact, I would say that we know in our heart and in our mind that that just simply isn't true, that there is something beyond us, that things like love and justice, right, and good are real, that they're real things. We understand that. There's a story of a, of a man named Sisyphus. Sisyphus was a Greek. Um, this is part of Greek mythology. Uh, he was a guy, he, he upset the gods, they get upset with them when the gods in Greek mythology get upset with you. Generally, you get some sort of punishment. Bad things happen. So that's what happens to Sisyphus. And the gods want to devise just the worst punishment possible. And so what happens is Sisyphus has to, every morning, wake up and take this rock and roll it. This big rock. He's got to roll it to the top of a big hill. And it takes him all day. And he's struggling. And he's struggling against it. And he gets it up to the top. And at the end of the day... He just has to let it roll back down to the ground. That's what he has to do every single day. Gets up the next morning, does the same thing. And to the gods, they're thinking, this is the worst possible punishment. And there are people who are saying to themselves, that can't be it. I can't be struggling and striving and pushing against all the pain and the difficulty and the struggle that there is simply to roll that rock back down the hill and do it again. There's got to be something more than that. And so we have folks who are spiritual. They're saying, I want to connect to something beyond myself. I'm going to kind of group, and, and, I don't, and I'm not trying to label people and put people in a box. But I have to be able to describe this. So I'm sort of going to group the, what I would call sort of the modern religion um, of spirituality. I'm going to group it and call life force religions. Okay, And, and I understand that there are those who would say, I don't refer to it as a life force, or many of them who would say, it's not a religion. Fair enough. 
I'm just going to use this term uh, to explain, and I'll describe to you what I am talking about, okay? Um, these are the common beliefs that I would say of what, what I would refer to as spiritual people, but who are not connected to a particular uh, religion or faith. One of them is this. There is a greater power in the universe. Sometimes, for some folks, that's just the universe itself is the greater power. For some, it's a life force or an energy or spirit. Something like that is generally how people would define it. The second thing that seems very common is that folks that express their spirituality this way um, believe that all religions and all spiritualities have some piece of the truth. That no one sort of has the corner on the market of what's true, but that we all sort of have a piece of what's true, and we all kind of think about it like we're looking at it from different perspectives and, and, and things like that. That's, that's sort of common within it. Oprah Winfrey said this, um, as you know, she is a great theologian, um, and she says, one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live. There are many paths to what you call God. So Oprah here is expressing that kind of, that spirituality, that, that, that sentiment of, hey, there's many paths, many ways. No, if that works for you, great. If that works for you, great. That's, that's kind of very common. The third thing is that they are, they, they define moralities, they have morals, and generally those morals include things like being kind to other people, not harming people, caring for the earth, so basically not harming people or animals or the earth, caring for the earth, and basically uh, being nice to one another. Those are, those are very common, which are good things, by the way, um, common morality. Uh, there's generally a great reverence for nature and beauty, um, and their spirituality is often expressed in, in nature, or they have spiritual experiences that are connected to nature. And then there's this kind of general belief that we've all come from God or the energy or the life force or the universe or however you want to define that. We've all come from, from God in that way. And that when we die, we'll all sort of return to God in that way. That's, that's sort of the, the, what I would call the modern common spirituality of those who would, who would say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And I actually have a lot of respect for people who believe this way. Um, and I'll tell you why. It, it, it's clear to me that the folks who believe this way have a desire and a belief in a higher power. They, they recognize what we all recognize, which is that there's a God, that there's something beyond themselves. They, they do away with the idea that everything is meaningless, and they actually seek to know God. They also tend to be relatively moral people. They think that we ought to treat each other well, which is true. And they try to live in that way, consistent with um, what they would consider to be right and wrong. So they would say, you ought to do these things, and then they try to do them. So I actually have some respect for that. Many of these people have been turned away from what they re refer to as organized religion. I've told you all before, we're not that organized, right? Um, I cannot blame people who have experienced pain and oppression at the hands and the tongues of those who claim to be religious for not wanting to be connected to that. I can't blame them for that. Um, it, 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 is, it is a normal reaction 
If someone is part of a certain group and they treat you poorly, or several people are part of a certain group and they treat you poorly, that you would reject the group, right? That's a, that's a normal thing. But as we go through uh, this story that we're going to talk about, the truth about everything, I want you to um, understand that it's the, the, the way that people have acted is not necessarily uh, the answer to what, say, in this case, Christianity is. And so we're going to talk about this, and we're going to answer some questions that people have. Questions like, why do I feel close to a higher power when I see Mount Hood? Why do I feel that connection to the earth? How do I know that it's wrong to hurt people? Why does it feel so good to be in a loving relationship? Why do bad things happen? Why is there evil, right? Um, we who follow Jesus of Nazareth, we have answers to those questions. It's part of the big story. It's part of the true story, right? Um, earlier I said I don't blame people who reject, say, Christianity because of the way some folks who have claimed uh, to follow Jesus have acted. I would also ask that folks um, would, would not blame us in this particular situation any more than I would blame life force religion folks because a couple of them treated me poorly. I would ask that, that anyone who's listening to this, watching on video or whatever, would put aside blaming those of us who are here because we're religious or people have done something wrong in the past. Here's the thing. Um, a lot of people have, and I've been one of those people. I've been the person who claims to follow Christ and has hurt people. It's happened. I'm a human. I've made mistakes. But here's the thing. You can't blame God for that. If it was not for God saving me, um, nothing that I do would be worthy. I can tell you that for a fact. And for those of you, if any of you knew me years ago, you would be saying amen. Because I was not a good person and, the, and God's the thing that brought good to me. The bad stuff, that's me. The good stuff is God. And so um, I would ask that we, just like everyone else wants to be given a fair shake and not judged and prejudged by the group that they're a part of, I'd ask that if you don't believe in God, that you would, that you would open your mind to the story that I'm going to tell and at least give it a fair chance. Okay. A couple things to know up front before we begin the true story of everything. One, God is an amazing storyteller and a great hero. The reason that we respond to good stories is because God created us to connect to his story. And to the extent that other stories mirror his story, we respond to them because we were built to respond to them, okay? Um, the cool thing about God's story is that it's actually true. In the real sense of that word, it's actually really true. And in fact, we sitting in this room right now are part of that story. We are part of the big story, the true story of everything, because you're part of everything, right? So you're part of the story that God is telling. The other thing is this, this is a little spoiler alert. The story is about Jesus, okay? You, you may be a character in it, I may be a character in it, but it's about Jesus. I don't want you to, to think I'm turning the tables on you or something. I'm telling you up front, we believe that the story is about Jesus. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself because I haven't even shown you why we believe that God even exists in the first place. So let's get started. Chapter 1, this first uh, message is the beginning, Okay, and we're a church, so we're going to read from the Bible. We believe that the Bible is true. We have really good reasons for believing that. If, if you want to know what those reasons are, you can go on our website, look back at the skeptics forum we did earlier this year, and look at, I think it's number four, where we talk about the reliability of Scripture, why we believe that it's true. But we do believe it's true, and so I'm going to start at the beginning. 
in the very first verse of the Bible. This is Genesis 1, verse 1. It says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning. What, what is the beginning? The beginning of what? What is the Bible talking about here? What, what are we referring to? We're referring to the beginning of space and time. The beginning of the physical universe, the beginning of the reality that you experience of a physical universe operating in space and time. That's what we're referring to. Um, eternity doesn't have a beginning, right? It doesn't have a beginning. It doesn't have an end. It's eternity. If you try to think about that, your brain will probably break. I've tried it before. If you go too far down that road, things start getting scary almost. So, so don't, don't do that. If I see your eyes rolling around, I'll know that you got lost. And, you know, don't, stay with me. Um, we're talking about the creation of time and space, the beginning, the creation of the universe, okay? Um, it says, in the beginning, God. Okay, first four words. In the beginning, God. The first thing we know about the story is that when space and time began, when they came into existence, there was someone that already existed, God, okay? By implication, since the beginning refers to the beginning of space and time, the Bible is saying that God is eternal, okay? Because he had to exist outside space and time. He had to exist outside space and time. So um, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible is saying that God created the universe, all the physical stuff that exists in space and time. Now, the Bible tells us this, and we as followers of Christ believe that it's true, um, but probably for those of you who are sort of seeking out the truth, me saying the Bible tells me so is probably not good enough for you, and that's fair enough right? Because uh, it's sort of, it could be a little circular, right? Uh, and so here's the deal. We actually have reasons for this. This is where science and reason come in. God gave you a brain, and he intends for you to use it. For those who think that uh, we, should, we should not, as Christians, uh, be spending a lot of time thinking about uh, science and theology and philosophy and, and using our brains to go through that, but rather we should just, everything should be about faith, 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 um, you are completely missing the fact that God gave you a mind and intended for you to use it to seek him out, to know him, right? It's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to seek it out, right? To search it out. We're supposed to press into and think about the world and how it shows us who God is, right? And we're supposed to reason to who he is, what he's about, who we are in him, and all of those things. So we are serious about that here, and in this case, we actually have very good reasons for believing that God exists. Uh, we know that God must exist because nothing physical comes from nothing, right? Nothing that is comes out of nothing. What is nothing? Start thinking about that. Your, your brain will break again too, okay? What is nothing? We don't know. The fact is, what we do know is that things only exist if they were caused to exist, right? When the magician has the hat and he pulls the bunny out, we know that the bunny didn't come out of nothing, right? We know, I don't know how he does it. I don't know where the bunny comes from, right? Um, if I did, I'd be totally doing magic tricks like every Sunday because they're sweet. But what I do know and I'm certain of is the bunny did not appear out of nothing. It did not appear from nothing, right? And so what we know is that if something exists, it was caused to exist. 
If it began to exist, it was caused to exist. We understand that. Here's what Aristotle, the Greek philosopher who lived in the 300s BC, a few hundred years before Christ, here's what he had to say. In any case, the actuality of what is potentially F, whenever being in actuality, it is active, not insofar as it is itself, but insofar as it is movable in its motion. I'm just kidding. I put that in there just to mess with you guys. I have no idea what that means. Um, but I just wanted to see how many of you would kind of be like, oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, right. You did not get that. You have no idea what that means. I don't either. Here's, here's another thing he said that actually makes a little bit more sense. He says, since motion must be everlasting and must never fail, there must be some everlasting first mover, one or more than one. Now, here's what he means. Here's what he's talking about. If dominoes are falling... Right? If they're, you've seen the domino thing where the dominoes fall. If they're falling, there's always one behind the other one that fell. Right? There's always one that's causing the next one to fall. And so you cannot go back infinitely because somewhere someone had to start the dominoes moving. Okay? They cannot start by themselves. This is what Aristotle referred to as the unmoved mover. The person who himself is not moved, but starts things moving. There must be such a person, Aristotle reasoned. But do we know that he's right about that? Can't the universe itself be eternal? Uh, why could the universe simply go back in time forever? Why couldn't it be the unmoved mover? And many people have speculated that as a way to say that God doesn't exist. They say, well, it's the universe. The universe is the unmoved mover. It just is. It just started. Now, here's the thing. The universe can't be the unmoved mover. Now, how do I know that? Because we know that the universe had a beginning. This is where science helps us, even though we understand that intuitively. We know the universe had a beginning. I mean, it just, it just makes sense. The idea that the universe could be eternal without anything causing it, I think all of us go, eh, I'm not buying that. There's no mind to the universe. Therefore, how would it be what it is, right? But science also helps us out here and tells us that the universe began. So the first brick in the house that we're building here in the true story of everything is that there is a God who's eternal and all-powerful, okay? That's our first brick. Now, we believe this based off the evidence, and here's what our argument looks like. This is called the Kalam cosmological argument. Okay, you can practice saying that 10 times fast after service. The Kalam cosmological argument says this. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause, right? Very simple. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe is one of those things that began to exist. Therefore, the universe must have a cause. This is the kind of teaching that really makes you think, isn't it? I'm so thankful that God's Word in the Bible isn't just a bunch of fairy tales. It's the truth that we can count on no matter what. And if you'd like more of that kind of truth in your life, come see us here at Axe Church this Sunday morning. Get easy directions and all the info you need at axechurchnw.org or call 360 360- 885-9000. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll check out the next episode for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.